Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, January 6, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. On behalf of everyone here at KeyBank, we wish all of our listeners a happy new year. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on whether the new year looks optimistic or if we still have a few challenges to face. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, and Tina Myers, Director of Financial Planning. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. For this week's economic news, even within a shortened week, there was a decent amount of economic releases that came out. So let's talk about earlier in the week, beginning with manufacturing PMI data that came out and showed slowing in the overall economy. Then on Wednesday, the job openings and labor turnover survey report for November showed that job openings remained steady at 10.5 million, similar to that number which, which we saw in October. And yesterday, overall initial unemployment claims fell to 204,000 for the week ending December 31st, as well as overall continuing claims also declined, showing a little bit of a surprise in resiliency with respect to the overall economy in terms of the number of reports that we've been hearing with regard to layoffs at companies. And finally, just this morning, the overall employment situation showed 223,000 new non-farm payrolls that were created for December versus 200,000 that were estimated, and the overall unemployment rate came down from 3.7% in November to 3.5% in December. And lastly, average hourly earnings also came down a bit from an inflationary perspective, showing a 4.6% increase in December versus a 5.1% increase last month in November, again, showing those inflationary pressures coming down a little bit in the overall labor market. So, George, when we consider all this information with respect to jobs and the overall economy, Fed policy, so on and so forth, what are your thoughts as we go into the new year and we look forward to the next month? Well, Brian, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, it is uh, officially a new year, and um, it seems like to some extent, though, it's kind of an old year in the sense that many of the themes that we've been talking about for the past couple of months or so seem to be playing forward and, uh, and carrying on to the new year. I guess the, the biggest reaction we can talk to, of course, is the job market and uh, the report we got this morning. Before we do that, though, I think there are a couple of th other things that, to kind of uh, highlight that happened between the end of the year and uh, and just the last few days or so that are pretty positive for uh, the economic outlook. One of which is this big shift that Japan put forth in terms of their interest rate um, forecasting and their thoughts about kind of what they're doing with their um, with their central banks. And they've actually been one of the last major central banks to um, to talk about raising rates. Uh, and so they're now engaged in, in doing that very thing. That's a pretty seismic shift in terms of what they've been doing for the past several years. Uh, and also again, kind of net positive for the overall economic backdrop. I also think it's worth noting that uh, China has gotten a lot of attention lately, and China essentially just ripped off the Band-Aid with respect to COVID and has started to reopen pretty aggressively, probably a bit faster than people expected. And again, that too is also somewhat positive for the economic backdrop and probably a little bit inflationary too. And then thirdly, on, uh, if you look at Europe, I mean, they've actually seen the benefit of a pretty warm winter. Uh, so notwithstanding some significant pressure still on the, on the energy front, 
the, the situation there has probably been a little bit uh, better too. So you pull these together and then you add to the mix this morning, uh, a pretty strong labor market report. Yeah, there are some things that are probably weaker. So there's some kind of you know bad news that was good news and good news that was bad news. Uh, so a lot of a lot of crossing, lots of cross currents rather. But I think the net takeaway for me is that the overall economy is doing pretty well. It's slowing down. Um, maybe kind of take some of the pressure from the Fed off the table a little bit. Um, so they won't be as aggressive going forward. But I do think they're probably going to be uh, somewhat engaged to try and keep inflation under uh, under wraps as we go forward through much of this year. But the momentum seemed to be somewhat positive still, and uh, we're kind of seeing the benefits of that this morning. Rajiv, what do you think the Fed makes of this latest report? Uh, great question, George, and happy new year to everyone. Uh, on the whole, that jobs data was stronger than expected. Uh, labor force participation was coming in stronger than expected. Wage increases were less than expected, and that's the good news for the Fed. Um, however, the reduction in the labor market slack, it adds some questions really for what the Fed's gonna do next. Uh, will they keep raising rates? I mean, if you look at the fixed income markets, uh, they look like they're appreciating the average hourly earnings component of today's report. We're seeing the yield curve steepen. We're seeing bonds are, are rallying. They've been rallying all week. I think the Fed looks at these numbers. Uh, they see some level of progress. And if you look at swaps, uh, investors now expect the Fed uh, benchmark yield to peak around 5%. I think before that report came out this morning, uh, we were at 5.06%. Uh, so looking at Fed hike uh, rate probabilities, uh, we started the year, uh, everybody expecting this February uh, FOMC meeting to be around a 50 basis point rate hike. Uh, that's come down actually. Uh, we're looking at uh, 25 basis points is now the consensus, not 50. So 25 or 50 basis point, George, is all gonna come down to the CPI print next week. I think that's gonna be very important. And if you look at the yield curve, we are seeing the two year which is the most sensitive to Fed policy, lower by almost eight basis points this morning, we're around 4.38%. And uh, the twos tens curve remains inverted. We started this year off, this, uh, this year off actually, we had an inversion of 90 basis points, we're around 70 basis points right now on the twos tens. Uh, so overall this employment report keeps the Fed in rate hike mode, but the interesting thing will be, and the most important thing to watch for is what the pace will be. If we go to 25 basis points, I think that's going to be very important. The labor market remains hot. So, Steve, I think it's been um, you know not lost in anybody, but the market has done um, I think a bit better expected this week. I mean, we don't want to make too much of one week, but I think to some extent people tend to do that in January, right? I mean, they kind of extrapolate the year based on the first week of the year. And uh, you know, you've often taught me to look at the last five days as kind of a short-term trend indicator. Seems like it's pretty good, but what do you make of it? And what do you think we're going to start hearing from companies when we start talking about earnings next week? Well, I mean, I think, George, when you take a look at what the trade, how the trading has unfolded so far year to date, I mean, keep in mind that um, we're roughly at the exact same place that we were on December 23rd, um, li literally almost to the point as I look at my Bloomberg screen this morning. Um, so really, there's there's been a little bit of back and forth around this particular level, but we haven't really decisively moved either way. So, um, you know, you're right about the first five days of the year. You know, when you take a look at the first five days of the year um, over the last 47 years, 39 times uh, we've been up during that five day period. Um, and uh, when you take a look at uh, how, or, or actually, I should say, 39 times uh, in those. Uh, 47 years, uh, we've been up for the year when you've had a, had a first five days that are up. So, you know, the bottom line is it does tend to, to be an, a decent indicator 
I mean, it's something that people watch. And right now, you know, we came into the year at, uh, roughly the exact same place where we're at today. So, you know, how we close today will will give us a little bit of an indication there whether we'll whether this indicator in particular will hold. People also look at January as a barometer for the year too. Um, and and you know, I think that the jury is obviously still out on how things are going to play out over the course of the month. You know, when you take a look uh, at some of these numbers, clearly the Fed has the ability now to, to, to start to say that the soft landing case is, is, is at least coming into view, um, at least from, from the market participants' pr perspective. Um, there were some backing off of some of the wage numbers in, in that report. There were some revisions down to the prior numbers that I think are actually a little bit more important than maybe even the current number was. Um, However, you know, we're, we're at the point where, where uh, bad news could start to be taken as bad news and, you know, not to rain on the employment reports parade, but the ISM services number came in way below expectations at 10 o'clock this morning, <clears throat> coming in at 49.6 versus 55. So uh, for expectations. So I, I would tell you, I think that we've, we've got uh, a clear, um, a clearly hawkish Fed still um, likely coming into a pause. And the market, I think, still has a lot of uh, indigestion to, to deal with in terms of the macro cost, cross, cross currents uh, as we head into 2023. Yeah, so I think if you can kind of summarize our outlook for the year, I think as of right now anyway, the bad news is that yeah, I think the recession case is kind of building and seems kind of likely. I don't think it's going to be an historic one, uh, which may be a small sort of line there, but a recession does seem to be kind of building. As you mentioned, some of the momentum signals are starting to uh, flash a bit uh, weaker. The good news is that inflation should start to ease, and, and we're seeing evidence of that. Next week will be a, a, big, a big tell for that, but at the same time, uh, a pause doesn't mean a pivot, as you said. So we think that stocks are going to have a wider range of outcomes this year. We want to stay really selective. We're kind of tilting our portfolios towards value and some opportunities in small caps. Bonds, as you've mentioned, Rajiv, uh, for the past several months now, actually have some income uh, for the first time uh, in a while. So, you know, we want to be cognizant of that too. So I think we're kind of balanced from a risk perspective, really emphasizing quality and really trying to maintain a full diversification portfolio in this environment. Well, thanks, George. And as we move to our final topic in today's podcast, let's turn to Tina Myers with respect to recent legislation signed into law by President Biden on December 29th that has some very positive implications for individual savings for retirement, as well as the respective tax implications. The legislation is known as the Secure 2.0 Act of 2022. So Tina, generally speaking, what is the Secure Act and what are the major provisions that can benefit investors? Well, thanks, Brian. Um, yeah, there was a lot of speculation on whether this was actually gonna be passed during that lame ducks um, session there. But remember, there were various iterations of this, um, what we call the retirement reform legislation. It had been through the Senate and the House in 2022. Um, for example, in the Senate, we originally saw uh, what was called the Earn Act and the Rise and Shine Act. And then in the House, that's actually when we saw what was dubbed Secure 2.0 um, was introduced there. Um, and like you said, part of the year-end um, omnibus appropriations bill, that's a 4,000-page document there. Um, but there really isn't a single ramification in this um, retirement bill, though, that is larger than what was originally introduced in the 2019 version of the SECURE Act, which basically eliminated what was called um, the uh, stretch strategy, 
which was basically the ability for a beneficiary um, of, an, of a retirement account to take out some of those distributions over their own life expectancy. And that one was great because you could stretch those distributions out over a much longer period of time and continue that tax deferred um, nature of that account. But like you said, in Secure 2.0, there's a ton of retirement provisions in there. Some of those go into effect now, and some of those take a couple more years to go into effect. Um, but I do think that for uh, individual clients, some of the major things were, you know, delayed RMDs, uh, required minimum distributions. There are a lot of Roth related changes. Uh, they did a lot of enhancements to some of our catch-up contributions, mainly for um, our older workers. Uh, they did also relax some of the rules for some of our commercial annuities that are in connection with some retirement plans. They enhanced some of our qualified charitable uh, distributions, which are um, some of those distributions that are made directly to charity from um, an uh, individual retirement account. Um, but then there are also some changes, I think, for company um, retirement plan sponsors that also affect your workers, too. Um, so, for example, um, after 2024, some of those newly established retirement plans are required to have auto enrollment. Um, there's also going to be some changes coming to employer matching funds, which great for employees. You'll get a little bit um, more from your employer there. That's great, Tina. So what do you think that all means for investors? What should they do with this information? Uh, well, definitely, I think they need to reach, clients need to reach out to their advisors and find out how some of these changes impact them specifically. And there could be some opportunities now that are presenting themselves that can enhance their retirement security there. Um, so I'm sure that these changes are eventually going to be reflected in some of our financial planning software. It's just going to take a little bit of time for our vendors to catch up um, and get those changes implemented there. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Steve, Rajiv, and Tina. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by KeyBank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and KeyBank Institutional Advisors are part of KeyBank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. 
This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.